part of BlindsidePods.com. And now, Deep Thoughts with Ellie Schnitt. When I see people in the year of our Lord, 2019, generally ordering frappuccinos from Starbucks, I'm so baffled. It's like 11 a.m. and you're choosing a milkshake with 0.001% coffee. Grow up. Sometimes you gotta take a fire nude with your messy ass room in the background just to keep you humble. A big problem in my life is that I assume everything is 15 minutes away. Like, if I have to be somewhere at 1, I'm like leaving at 12.45 no matter where it is. As Tran on the subway throwing myself a pay party, when I look up and the girl across from me is filling her eyebrows, and you bet your ass I stop crying because if she can do that on a moving subway car, I can do anything. Probably. This has been Deep Thoughts with Ellie Schnitt from your friends at the Minifan Show. Welcome to a superfan roundtable on the week's events in the world of Kirk Menahan. This is the Menifan Show. Right off the bat, when we were talking to Casey before we came on the air, she said, you know, I'm not going to badmouth people on a podcast because that's not fair. And what the fuck do you do? And then we lay right into Ellie Schnitt. <laughs> you asshole, man. I didn't think I you were going to play that. Say, I was about to say, you know what? That's like cold-blooded. You're not even going to have her on to defend herself. She, oh, we have. Yeah. What a hot start. We've asked her on. I mean, she's got like 50 million followers on Twitter. She does. I mean, she you does. Know, she, and she's she's prolific in terms of the retweets. She's like the, the chicks in the office Instagram I think all they do, like 99% of their posts are just reposting screenshots of her tweets, basically, at this point. Yeah, she's, I mean, gone viral long before she was in at Barstool, which is how yeah. they got the attention, how she got the attention of Barstool. But I'll tell you what, guys, if you don't piss me off too much in this podcast, I'll put in a good word with Ellie and see if she'll come on. How about oh, that? Please, I would please. love to. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I think that honestly, so 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 DEC, I think he kind of has a little crush on her because he does like he spends his time retweeting and like doing like little video mockups like that. So I think I think we could have quite a fun conversation with with Ms. Schnitt there. I think it's less a, less a crush and just she fascinates me. Everything I read just it fascinates me she's young though you gotta you gotta understand like she's what she's she's what 22 23 she's 22 she's 22 yeah she's 22 so i'm 28 so i'm a little older but you know like that that's like that stuff especially towards the younger crowd the college crowd i mean they they eat that shit up oh my god the sorority crowd she has that completely on lock and what's crazy and obviously if she comes on the podcast she can explain this to you too is that when she started being viral on twitter that she never thought she was gonna have to have a microphone in her hand or a camera in her face like she was just sitting in her apartment in college tweeting and going viral and she's like oh shit I actually have to like be a personality at Barstool <laughs> so that's how it's like it's all kind of coming to fruition and at the same time she's a child she's 22 so is it shtick is is she doing that is she playing because we had so I interviewed uh, Jared Carabas last week and he said that part of his idea or his persona at, at uh, Barstool is that he tries to play it up like WWE he played he's got this whole bravado and uh, hence the you know I'm a certified G and all that bullshit and he was a fucking bore he was very boring on our yeah, interview. That's, that's <laughs> oh, surprising. Yeah. As somebody who's a uh, his co-host every single day, that's surprising. He Give him boring. shit for that. I think blind blind okay. Mike asked blind Mike asked him on, and then later on Mike was like, "Hey, uh, hey, hey, Jared, thanks so much for coming on. If you don't mind, could you give us a retweet?" <laughs> no response. No retweet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll definitely give him shit. I mean, I have to sit next to him for two hours a day. So I, uh, the fact that he was boring actually really surprises me. Yeah. So, so, so back to my my thing with with Ellie is that is that a shtick? Is she doing that? Is she playing a character? Or is that just that's just she's just being her true self? 
No, I think that anybody at Barstool, and this isn't just like a political answer, I really believe this, is that the most part, it's like you, when you see these characters and these shticks, it's their real personality just kind of amplified. Yeah. And so I think with Ellie, her being a young girl, her being a sorority girl and being interested in the things she talks about, like that's her to her core, but she also knows what works for the entertainment value. And that's not just her. The caller daddy girls are the same way. It's like they know what they're doing, but at the same time, it's still somewhere that that's a true personality. I don't think anybody at Barstool fakes a character by any means I think it's just to certain degrees there's no way that the call her daddy girls have that much sex I mean there's just there's just no way there's no way it's not humanly possible at this point yeah no I it's really interesting when you see them in person versus when you hear them on the podcast because the first time I ever met them and actually sat down in a social setting with them I was like wow you guys are actually a lot more normal than I thought you were that's cool like here I was thinking you guys were just out here just slamming all the time so I, I think anything with Barso I mean that's from Dave Portnoy all the way down it's there's a definitely a character and a shtick to a certain degree but I don't think anybody has to fake it at Barstool and I think that's obviously what makes Barstool so original and that's why Kirk Minahan's going to fit right in because yep. he is who he is and it works but then you also know what plays for your audience so it's kind of a mixture of both we really need people to fight with and mock and and have okay. that that you know that behind the scenes stuff where it's like the workplace where you just you bust the balls of the people in your family because that inner office stuff is fun as hell people love it i'm sure she's a sweetheart i bet she's like the sweetest girl but man, it's fun. It's fun to to look at those <laughs> tweets and and poke fun a bit. And well, uh, you're a fan of Kirk, right, Casey? So you you're familiar with Kirk's infamous Trenny impression, which I think that DEC oh, yeah. is doing. He's in the same <laughs> it's vein the same there. Thing. You know, like uh, you know, Trenny said, "Oh my God, I'm so interested in everything I do. I like talk about myself all the time. I like that sort of stuff." I mean, me too. Hashtag you you actually you, you <laughs> but you love Trenny, correct? You the, we you were not coming to come on here and say anything bad about her, right? No, Trenny and I had a great working relationship when I. I was at NBC Sports Boston. Great. How's that political answer for that, you? That is a political answer. You're already, you're already starting this off on a Which slide. is already, just a lie. I, <laughs> no, no. I, I here's, get, here's I my you. thing. Here's my thing. Honestly, like when it comes to, and I, I know we're going to get into like the women at yeah. Barstool and that whole thing. Like I am truly one of those people, like I don't care what a woman wants to do in this industry. If she wants to do it and do it to whatever degree she wants to, I'm going to support that. I don't care if it's at Barstool, if it's at NBC Sports Boston or if it's ESPN. That's my biggest thing. So you know what? If women want to pick and choose where they support people, that's on them. But for me, it's like, whatever. If you want to be a woman in this industry, I think you should support all women in the industry. Well, no, you're just a token, right? You got to remember that. Yeah, you're just, right? you're just the token girl at Barstool. That's that's clearly what these people believe. So you yeah, don't that, count. That's yeah. what really pissed me off. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on because you were the absolute epitome of when we talk about uh, Barstool just has the, the, the uh, I'm going into that voice again. Barstool just has the, the token <laughs> I'm going to start talking broads. in that voice, by the way. Oh that's what I'm going to do. be doing. Oh, I'm going to be doing God. that on radio tomorrow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that, that was token cr- girl at Barstool. Oh my god! Jesus, is, are you, you need to be the third member of Caller Daddy. That was excellent. <laughs> Holy fuck! Wow. Hey, you know it's showbiz, baby. You can turn it on anytime. <laughs> that's great. So you're you're the token broad there. That's that's what we understand. You have no pedigree. You have absolutely no accomplishments. What what got you to Barstool before you got there? Just to squash all these assholes who have these terrible. It, it's infuriating. It's infuriating to say that about misogynist, racist. It's uh, the Luftwaffe, uh, <laughs> anti-whatever, and we have you. And what have you accomplished? 
Yeah, I feel like every time I start getting into it with people on Twitter or on the air about what people think about women at Barstool, it makes me so mad. It's like, have they done their fucking research on me? Like, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, look, I've done all these things, but I started in, in network television and I've done the whole mainstream media thing. So by no means was I at a high level of that. I was in my early and mid 20s, but I was in the mainstream ESPNs, Fox Sports, NBC. So whenever I made the decision to go to Barstool, which was a long road and I could spend hours talking about it, but making that jump was because I know how big the platform is for Barstool and the freedom that we have there. Mm -hmm. And to say that I hadn't done it before somewhere legitimate, it's like, well, I mean, my first big job was at ESPN. So I understand that world. And uh, it's frustrating because it's like, oh, you're a token woman. Well, I was, was I a token woman at ESPN? Maybe, but I had been there before. So uh, people just have their thought processes when it comes to the, the girls and the women at Barstool and they're going to stick to that. But it's kind of like, hey, like, I mean, I was nominated for a couple of Emmys in Boston. I feel like yeah. that's something, you know, that, that I'm proud of and that I'm glad that I did. But there's a reason I'm at Barstool and I'm glad I made that decision, too. And, and the thing with that I always think about with Barstool is it's not like they're not trying to make effort to uh, to, to mitigate any sort of that offensive uh, behavior. I mean, we talked with, with the, the Barstool gold uh, and that only gold members can comment. I believe that's still the case, right? That only gold yes. members can comment. So, they're, I mean, I feel like they've made attempts to clean it up. I know that Big Cat went out and he, he disavowed and he discouraged people online from her saying hurtful and harassing things. There's got to be a point because right now I feel like the argument, especially with Kurt Tony, I think he was making this argument when he uh, when he interviewed with uh, Kevin Collin there, fucking Kevin Collin. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. It was great, fucking great. But uh, when Kurt Tony's big thing was, well, you know, they're like inciting this, that somehow, you know, the bar stool, the stoolies, the, 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 there's going to be some asshole with all the millions of people that listen to Barstool, the, the millions of people that follow online. There's going to no. be some assholes. Let's, let's play his words. This is what he said. Am I sexual? attracted to yes. underage boys <laughs> sexually attracted that's exactly how yes where did you find that did, did, you know Cold Massachusetts blooded, that's a two-party state man we needed to get his yeah. consent for that he's gonna sue us <laughs> if he's not suing Kirk already but do you think there's any validity to that that this whole claim that somehow a influencer has to be responsible for his or her following I think that's ridiculous. And we actually talked about this last week with the whole Beyonce thing going crazy with the Warriors owner's wife. It's like the beehive was going after her. And not once did Beyonce step in and be like, hey, guys, like maybe uh, you shouldn't go crazy. If it's Barstool, it's like all of a sudden it's held to a different standard. And the funny thing is, is if you go through and you deep dive through our mentions and like through Dave's mentions and Big Cat's mentions, like the top players at Barstool, they're getting the same exact hate, too, from our audience. It's the stuff that we're seeing on a daily basis it's when it happens to somebody else all of a sudden we're supposed to stop it and I don't understand how anybody thinks that we can control the internet how Dave can control the internet how Dan can control the internet it makes absolutely no sense I don't and think they do I think they just want a straw man to beat the hell out of yeah, that's the you excuse. guys aren't politically correct you're not playing ball with the nice media so we have to go after you it's crazy. I, and I, as somebody who, like I said, has gotten the woman side of it too and just be like, oh, well, you're just a token woman or, oh, Barstool's so misogynistic. Like, I don't think if I'm at Barstool for 10 years, 20 years, or if I'm only there for a couple more years, I have no idea. I don't think it's ever going to not make me as mad as it does now because it's just like, what do you expect us to do? You expect me to come out and be like, yeah, actually, you know what? Working for Barstool is full of sexist people and I hate it Like, because it's not the truth. So I'm telling the truth and the truth isn't good enough. And I don't think people like that because we don't have to be politically correct. I read Kevin Clancy's piece on Easter where he talked about his divorce and he talked about Easter with the kids alone and shuffling the kids back to his wife. I, I had to stop and go back to it because it was 
it was wrenching. Mm -hmm. That's not the image of Barstool of, ah, oh, you know, it's just titties and girls and that type of stuff. That was well-written. It, it pulled at the heart. And at the same time, he said, I did this to myself. It was brilliant. That's what Barstool is. Exactly. Well, and most of the people who are shitting all over Barstool on a daily basis and run with the headlines, they've actually never consumed Barstool. They've never consumed that blog by Kevin. They've never listened to Pardon My Take. They've never tuned in to Chicks in the Office or watched our college football show when we go on the road and we have you know tons of people coming out to our live shows because they support the brand. They're just reading headlines of things from Dave from years ago that didn't land well or that or maybe were in you know taken out of context people that don't consume our content are the ones that hate us and the people who consume our content love us yeah i mean there was the uh the, the herald intern that she asked the bruins to comment on the whole towel gate fiasco all that bullshit and i i think she i mean she got yeah she got mean tweets and, and you know th that's shitty nobody should get tweets like that making fun of their appearance that sucks but at, you know at the end of the day Let's let's go through your mentions, Casey. I mean, how, you're you're a woman in a platform on Barstool. How many mentions and how many crazy, you know, wh whether it's death threats or sexist or offensive remarks do you get on a day to day basis? Oh my God, it's like I said, if you deep dive through anybody's mentions, especially uh, the content girls at Barstool. And I mean, obviously, like the guys like Dave who just have millions of followers get it mm -hmm. constantly as well. But I mean, the same stuff that they're saying to those women, like we get, like, and almost to the fact where they pit us against each other. Like I can't tell you how many times like the girls will sit around and be like, "Hey, did you see that guy call me?" fat ugly pig next to you Rhea today like that was fun you know those things happen the difference is is that we see it almost so much that it's like well whatever these are internet trolls when someone who's never had a taste of it it's like okay well Barstool hates me and they're coming after me because I'm a woman it's like well no they go after every woman you just have to kind of learn how to ignore it they just want a reaction yeah that's what Jared yeah. said when, when when Jared came on our podcast he said he doesn't think it's a Barstool problem he thinks it's an no inter what it's Jared an internet said was sure. I don't think it's a, it's a Barstool <laughs> He was a little higher energy than that. Was he, he was okay. Was he, he did. Was he he, he told us. I think he took like three or four melatonins before coming on. I think. I think okay. there so might have been something like that. I but think no. he snorted the melatonin. <laughs> he could have. He could have at that <laughs> Can point. Can you do that? Oh, I don't you know. Snore melatonin. I'm, isn't I'm it like a? Isn't it a liquid for you? Are? Oh, can you please periscope that? That would be. Yeah, that would be something else. Just like chop up a melatonin pill and snort it. I can't yeah, see how that possibly. Yeah. Could hashtag go send it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Uh, but he, he. His contention is it's not a barcel thing it's an internet thing i think that's absolutely fair is that you i mean kurt tony's thing was that barstool is a roving band of miscreants and it's Jeez. gamergate writ large like he's using all these words that i guess like pc like woke sounding language but he has no facts to back it up and that's usually the case with with barstool with deadspin with any of the hit pieces that you guys experience but here's my thing so you're familiar with the boston media how mm -hmm. long would you give it before the hit pieces from Deadspin or the Globe start coming out against Kirk, saying that the hiring of Kirk Minahan plays into the sexist nature, the misogyny of Barstool. How long would you give it? What would you say the over-under at? What, a month? I'm shocked it hasn't happened already. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I think that it's such an easy layup for those fucking morons at Deadspin mm -hmm. <laughs> that I, I'm shocked that they haven't done it already. I mean, these, I swear, I've been saying this for a long time. I think that they have a ticker somewhere in their shitty office that just runs everything that we do at Barstool. Like, it's like the Nike ticker that they have where it's yep. just all the Barstool blogs because, like, I was recently deadspinned on Twitter because I spelled a word wrong, which, by the way, hand up, I'm the worst speller on the planet. Yeah. So I completely own that. But it was like, I the blog had been out for, like, an hour and they were making fun of it, calling me dumb. And it's like, how did you even read that? So the fact that Kirk hasn't been deadspinned yet is crazy. 
once his podcast starts, I mean, I give it like what, maybe a month? A, a maybe? Mon- oh, maybe. they'll have it Monday. They'll yeah. probably, you know what they're probably maybe. doing? They're probably waiting for Monday yeah. to hit him or Sunday night to hit him going into the launch. Oh, the Aaron Andrews stuff will come out. I mean, oh everything. my god, I mean, yeah. Like How tired is that? Right at, you know, at one point, he called Aaron Andrews a you know, gutless bitch. Okay, yeah, that was. And Kirk has has apologized profusely, admitted it was a stupid comment. He shouldn't have said it. It was. But the thing is, is that he's been on the air for what th- thousands of hours. You're gonna say something dumb. People at Barstool have said have said dumb shit before. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen if you're on. You don't the air push for the envelope. Long. You're not gonna be interesting. Hey, exactly. I got a que- I got a question for you, Casey. When you were okay. in Boston. Did anybody at EEI reach out to be a third person on Kirk and Callahan? You know what? I feel like I, I got asked a couple of times. Uh, I cannot remember exactly if it was just to do like a guest spot or if it was to come in. But I know that after a while, it was the my show ended at midnight. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I could call in, but I don't want to call in. So I remember there being conversations and then it just, uh, it never happened. I know I got a lot of tweets about that. People wanted me to come on that show a lot. And ironically, it usually happened after Trini and Kurt got into it. So I kind of saw straight oh. through that one a couple of times. Yeah. So so they were they were looking for another token woman to bring in there or something uh, something maybe. like that. Could, could or maybe be. they wanted me I to come in. I think we missed in, out you know? on some good entertainment with that. I think you would have been that would have been awesome. <laughs> I know. I think so. So DEC th- says that you are you know at least this is what he says off the air that you are the best person other than Riggs on Barstool Radio. So oh, uh, I appreciate you've, that. You've, Thank you've got you. you've got some praise. I know that he uh, he says that you are the most talented person on on your daily radio show. Uh, and I, I guess my question would be uh, when you went to the Border Cafe with Kirk and Callahan. How creepy was Ken Laird? Okay, you know what? I, this is a Gary Tangway story, actually. This is even yeah. more because that was around Christmas time and Gary made it seem like, oh, we're going to go to the Border Cafe <laughs> right down the street from the studio of NBC Sports Boston. I'm thinking the way he set it up was everybody's at the bar. You know, people are hanging out. Like, you've never met Kirk in person. We had interacted on Twitter a couple times and, and DM'd, but I'd never met him in person. So Gary made it seem like it was a very casual situation. He sandbagged me. I get there and it's a dinner. They're all sitting down at their Christmas dinner for the Kirk and Callahan show. And I'm like, Gary, what the fuck did you just walk me into? And I sit down and I feel like I've got a spotlight like shining right on me. And to be honest, I don't know if anybody was creepy, if everyone was a nice person ever, because I was just sitting there like, whatever I say is probably going to be repeated on EEI right now. So I'm just going to make sure that they don't sandbag me further. And honestly, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great experience. And Kirk didn't scare me as much as I thought he would. I was really, I thought he try to intimidate me and he really didn't as the story goes that uh that ken laird was a, was too afraid to speak to you so jerry callahan was was talking <laughs> your ear off jerry callahan who's right a, let's he's, talk aggies yeah he's an infamous uh yeah. movie talker and he loves he likes talking college sports i think he's a heisman voter still right yes he is yeah that's I think right he is yeah oh yeah and if you start talking college football with me especially when i was in boston because nobody likes college football up there like i'm sold like i'll sit there for just ever and talk because i was just so happy that somebody else actually cared about college football the way that he did this is funny. We're here on the other side because everybody gave Jerry shit for doing that. And it turns out that was a winning hand. Yeah, it was. I thought it was great because I felt like I said, I felt like Gary just kind of blindly led me into a situation and kind of set me up to fail, whether he did it on purpose or not, which I don't think he did because I mm-hmm. think Gary and I had a, a good relationship where he wouldn't want me to fail. But at the same time, I was like, Gary, you can't just walk me into the Kirk and Callahan Christmas <laughs> dinner and not give me a heads up. I mean, oh come on. Oh, my God. Is Gary a good guy in real life? Because online, he seems like on the radio, he seems like a goof. And on TV, you know, he's polarized. He has hot takes. But from all accounts from people that know him say that he's just 
like a fucking awesome human being. Is he? Is it like he's those? awesome. Yeah, yeah, he is. He really is. And and that's like when I first auditioned at NBC Sports Boston. My first, I was there a couple times uh, throughout the process, but my first audition was with him and with Mike Felger. And I was didn't. I mean, I knew who both of them were. Obviously, had not met them personally. And one of the things that really stood out to me about Gary was that I. I mean, I'm sure they were going through a million auditions. I was probably one of like three or four people in that day. But you could tell he was genuinely wanting to help from a standpoint of like, hey, like let me walk you through some of this so when you do go into the studio you're not just going at it blind and I feel like that's who Gary is like he's just wants to be funny wants to give his sports takes but actually cares about what he's doing and the people around him and I can't say that enough I don't think we've said this but we wish him all the best in his uh in his fight with cancer currently I know that mm-hmm. I think he's doing I think he's doing well his yeah, video crushing crushing to see that his videos are awful. hilarious it seems like he's got he's taking it well he's, he's taking it uh he's, he still has his sense of humor with the hat videos they're fucking funny so I, Guy, I, yeah guys going on tv completely bald and just going about his he's just a break but that's balls. exactly what he would do though that's just, that's that's exactly what he's owning would it do. yeah exactly exactly it's yep. like you the women at espn you know holly Rowe and shelly smith kind of did the same thing and you know throughout like my journey with cancer and mine was nothing like what these people have had to deal with but when i've done these coaches versus cancer events and stuff i look at them i'm like i never lost my hair i never had to go through that the fact that you have the courage to go on national tv regional tv whatever and just kind of own it while you're also fighting cancer is crazy to me i mean that's strength that you that you can't even how long have you been in recovery how long have you been cancer free five years last november so oh, it'll congrats. be six this november thank you so you know, five uh, years I mean, is the magic number the magic number and i actually this and that's another barstool thing that i i'm glad that kind of went low-key viral at least uh through our barstool audience was they i walked into radio that day the day it hit five years and i hadn't said anything you know obviously my close friends there knew and they came in and gave me a cake and gave me this huge speech and a congratulations just so happy to be part of the barstool family and they didn't know me when i was diagnosed it's like that's the true family of barstool those are the stories deadspin and those kind of people don't want to run with but that's why i say like i've never felt more cared for and safer than i do at barstool because of stuff like that i don't know cakes are pretty sexist in my opinion <laughs> oh, a lot yeah, of that, that frosting <laughs> and they, there's all sorts of who hey, was the, it? the guy from weei who used to be a producer of a bad show he sent a cake once it was shaped phallically that's right oh, so, no. yeah I, how I, dare he i know right <laughs> leave it leave it to uh, leave it to mutt to send a penis cake you, you know mutt, you know uh you know mutt right you've met mutt yeah yeah i met so i actually like i said i wish i would have gone back now and done more stuff with with the eei guys i was around them a few times and then at the super bowl i feel like we just constantly ran into each other but it was more twitter interaction which of course in this day and age it's like that's kind of how you know people it's like you yeah. can be friends with people and you've only ever tweeted at them um but yeah no all those guys i should have i should have done the, the morning show i regret that that's one yeah, of my we only missed regrets out. well you can always go on kirk show it's going to be uh, oh, mon- going monday on kirk show oh good oh, he he has Fantastic. no choice i'm gonna force myself on that show perfect i want i want barstool personalities on there mainly because i want kirk to create the world that he created at eei uh, but bring a little bit of that to barstool because i think that you know there's some things that kirk might not think are funny about barstool he like i th- i know that he he's a guy that can go at Dave and I think he's probably mm-hmm. one of the few guys. I mean, got people joke around with Dave, but I mean, let's be real. I mean, how many people are really going to go toe to toe with Dave in in the building? What KFC? Who else? Would you go toe to toe with him? Oh yeah. So that's like actually one of my favorite things about the college football show that we did last year was that because it was me, Dave, Big Cat, and then Tommy Smokes were the panel. And once you are working that closely with Dave, you realize what pushes his buttons, and he gets this little look in his eye where he realizes he's being put 
being put in a pretzel but he's so good at getting out of it that usually he can <laughs> and then when you see people who don't do shows with him and who aren't sitting next to him on a daily basis they're scared to do that so that was one of my favorite things of kind of that evolved throughout the fall was like you know what Dave's fucking wrong about this and I'm gonna call him out and so now when I look at the highlights of the college football show from the matter of me being professional like oh welcome to the college football show presented by Panera and telling Dave to fuck himself the <laughs> amount of time is like 30 <laughs> seconds you know That's so awesome. <laughs> but you're right though people don't want to go after him because he is who he is and he's obviously the best at what he does from an argument standpoint and really anything that he does um but kirk will go after him without having to be on a show and that's what makes kirk so good is that he doesn't give a shit what people think about him and that's why he'll be good for barstool because he's as unapologetic as barstool as a whole is and i think that's what makes success there when you were going to barstool this was around the time that julie stewart binks was there and it was mm-hmm. right at the end and everybody says that that it, it just didn't click. Did you have any reservations going in? Because you, there's there's some similarities there. Yeah, the biggest similarity was that we had both been in mainstream media, and, and Julie had been to a higher degree. You know, she was national with Fox Sports One, but I don't think necessarily that I looked at her and thought, okay, there's my reservation because it wasn't an, a fit. It was more that because I knew the path I was on, especially at NBC Sports Boston, and, and really enjoying myself there. The show was doing well, working with guys like Tom Curran and Michael Holly, and knowing that I could have a really good career there. It was like, do I want to jump off of this mainstream media journey that'll take me longer to grow to go to this risky company that's just an absolute rocket ship and I watched Julie she was still there when I got there so she didn't leave I think she left a couple of months into me already being full-time at Barstool but I think the bigger reservation was okay like am I really going to risk everything I've built through my 20s having to start over after I left ESPN and go back into radio as well am I going to want to risk that again I'm obviously very glad I did and I didn't have any reservations once I did it but that was a bigger concern I was like okay am I crazy to jump right off of TV in Boston, the best sports town in the world, to go to Barstool that everybody presumably hates. So that was that was the thing. What or who pushed you over the edge that made you make the jump? I think the audience. I think at the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and I had already made the decision to go, and I, I had made the decision to go to Barstool well before the announcement was made. And actually, I think Kirk was the one who ended up breaking that no, on radio. No, it was Tangway. Oh, yeah, it was Tangway. Oh. That right. Well, it, was, it was Gary. It was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so well, that's great. I'd be able to cucked out of my own decision, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, but no, I think I think when I looked at just how the reach was and then being at the Super Bowl, I went to their party um, that was, you know, just a, an absolute just fest of, of fans, like looking at how many people were just crazy to be in the building. I did radio there at Cowboy Jacks and Julian Edelman came on right after me and it was just like these fans want so much to just be a part of a brand and I have a freedom to say whatever I want. That was the biggest thing to me. It's like not only is it a rabid fan base, but I can be myself completely uncensored, completely unfiltered and that's something that you can't do in, in network television and that, I think that hinders a lot of people, especially uh, at ESPN because they don't want you to be yourself. NBC Sports Boston gave us a little bit of that. You know, they were you were allowed to be more of ourselves for three hours a night, but you still can't go on and say whatever you want. So the mixture of freedom and being able to build a brand outside of of having to be somebody that I'm not was really what pushed me over the edge. What's the career plan? Is it Barstool Forever? Oh, what is what do you want to do long term? What's the goal? I, that you know, it's crazy. I'm 30 years old and I still have no idea how to answer that. So uh, I'm the prototypical girl that when I was growing up, all I ever wanted to be was Erin Andrews, and I think what she was able to do. And like really build out a career and make herself who she is is incredible because she was the first of her kind. But now there's a million people wanting to be Aaron Andrews. I think that my looking forward, it's like, how can I make 
it being a woman in this industry different than's already there and it's not even just about like ringing the feminist bell because i am not a feminist at all i feel like i said i mean i feel like if being a woman in this industry has m- amazing benefits um i think it's just looking now it's like i don't know exactly what it looks like but i want to be able to be oh i want to be casey smith one day i want to do something that somebody else had never done before and i always used to say like don't get me wrong skip bayless like he's a crazy person and i don't think he believes anything he actually says oh, yeah. but being somebody like skip bayless it gets to get paid a lot of money to give your opinion and people tune in to either love you or hate you there's really not a woman to that degree yet but there are a lot of women that can do it and i think that they're put in positions to succeed now more than ever and i just want to be a part of that wave and that's the whole that's the whole irony of this is that you know barstool or somebody like kirk has had on uh, sue o'connell who's very opinionated kirk has, mm-hmm. has, has battled with trenny you've got all these supposed sexists and misogynists that all they want to do is talk to interesting opinionated engaging women right <laughs> it's, it's, it's right. kind of it's kind of mind-blowing because mm-hmm. but then you look at these more traditional outlets something like espn where they want to suppress people from having personality and the poor lady that hosts uh, first take is not even allowed to speak she's you know she's she's constantly her job is to like stop like yell at them and tell them to shut up like she can't give <laughs> an opinion you know what i mean it's like it it just seems baffling that nobody's able to see the hypocrisy there that these supposedly misogynistic outlets and, and individuals want to give voices to strong opinionated women yeah it's crazy like when people say that barstool is misogynistic and then you actually turn on our 24-hour series xm channel there's a show solely based of two girls that are in their early 20s that have a national platform we have girls across it i mean dave puts girls in these massive roles and women in these massive roles by the way our ceo is a woman and all of a sudden barstool's misogynistic but then yet like you mentioned like espn and other these national networks they are getting better i will say i don't want to just completely just crush them but it's like when is there going to be a woman sitting in skip bayless's chair when is there going to be a woman sitting in stephen a smith's chair because they're out there they exist and there are plenty of women that are capable of doing it you know jackie mcmullen's a great example like she's one of the smartest people in this industry and it's like put her on these shows i mean and i know they they do but make her a flagship person like skip bayless and that's going to eventually happen but i think barstool kind of has shown like it doesn't even just have to be in sports it's entertainment it's in sex it's in relationships we have a vet in kate you know she's a marine Mm -hmm. it's like there's women Women all over the place just needing those platforms to be given to them and they'll crush it once they get there i come back to the the, the disgusting love letter that they read for you oh yeah and, and it just seemed like it almost Which seems one? like you the know, guys there's are been like, so many <laughs> that was the first one i heard it just seemed yeah. like okay we're gonna play this disgusting thing and it seems like you're like okay bring it if you're gonna if you're gonna read that bring it and and i'll give you my opinion and we'll talk about how heterosexual i am and <laughs> i'm gonna be unafraid about it and and it's just like in your face and that's what i liked i think you could do the skip bayless thing i would love to i mean i don't that's the thing about about guys like him or i mean really any of us trying to make it in this industry is the worst thing that you can have is people be apathetic to you if people don't care what you're doing then you're not being successful so either love or hate what i'm saying but understand that you're paying attention to what i'm saying which again is something that kirk is so good at he knows how many people hate him but people are still listening and so the thing about barstool that's given me the platform and not just me across the board anybody in content is that you can be 100 percent yourself and the most frustrating thing is when people including people in our audience it's like oh you're trying to be the cool girl or oh you're trying to be somebody you're not it's like well no I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't when I couldn't be my own personality and Barstool's the only place where I've been able to and some days it works out and some days it doesn't but I go to work every single day knowing like I'm gonna be me and I'm gonna play it up a little bit because that's what entertainment is about but what you're hearing is the way I actually think so when I get these creepy love letters I'm like hey I can handle it let's go if you guys want to give me attention send in some love letters 
charge. I'm I'm a big girl. I can handle it. So I know Casey. I, I know that you have. Uh, you're not going to talk about you know uh, you know tranny or anybody else. But I do want to ask you this. You've done a lot of interviews with a lot of athletes and a lot of celebrities. Who has been your least favorite? interview like the biggest not even not you don't have to be an asshole but maybe they were just they are one way when they're you know in their character in their element but then they're a total another way off the like air. Carabas. <laughs> yes exactly like jared <laughs> i see I'm, I'm a big jared fan so I, i'm actually shocked as soon as i get off this podcast i'm gonna call him and be like hey dude what were you on drugs or something like what's going on um no so this is a very i'm people who are listening to this probably are gonna have not any clue who this is or maybe some but so gus malzahn who is the head coach at auburn i did i Auburn football. I did a week with SportsCenter leading up to the Iron Bowl, which is Alabama versus Auburn. And I had never met Nick Saban and I had never met Gus Malzahn. And I went into it thinking, okay, I'm going to have to cringe my way through an interview with Saban. He's terrifying. He's scary. You know, just like I would be at that point in my career with Bill Belichick. Like I'm just terrified thinking um, that Gus Malzahn was going to be this great charismatic guy and I sat down with him and I was shocked at how little of a shit he gave to be sitting in that interview I was just like we're leading up to the rivalry the of college football the biggest one the year before had been a, a the kick six miracle and it's just I mean again this is so college football nuanced but I remember sitting there and being like okay so people who our personalities on camera might not always be the same off camera. And then I traveled to Tuscaloosa the next day and Nick Saban was one of the nicest people I'd ever been around. So it was a juxtaposition of being completely 180 shocked uh, that Gus Malzahn kind of sucked at sitting down in an interview and Nick Saban was like my favorite person of all I'm time. I'm looking at pictures of him right now and there is no way that that hair is real. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a shag <laughs> rug on the top of his head. Is oh he wearing God. a sweater vest? Is he, he wearing a sweater vest in the picture? He's wearing a sweater vest and he's wearing this this awful visor and he's got he's got that that like chupacabra like sticking out out of the top of his head. I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck I'm looking at right now. This is insane. Yeah, and like Gus, like he's a, he was never like rude to me or, or like a dick or anything at all where I could like walk away being like, I don't like that guy. But I was just like, hey man, like, you know, we're, we're kind of previewing the biggest game of the season and I'm sitting here just asking you like softball lob questions. Act like you want to be here for me once, please. And I know at the same time, I mean, it's like they do these all the time and, you know, they're probably sick of doing it. But I was shocked at how just, uncharismatic he was and I just didn't like it and I'll never forget it to be honest I'm going to preface that we're we'll, still going to have a lot of fun with Ellie Schnitt because there's fun to be had there but have we earned ourselves a, a good mention to Ellie? You know what? I think so. I think I, you know, she, she usually, she, she's such a sweet girl. She brings me coffee every morning. Like that'll tell you, like, I don't even have to, like she does it just out of the kindness of her heart. And maybe tomorrow yeah, I Not will... a frappuccino though, because it's like not coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's 0.1, no. 0.1 caffeine. <laughs> I drink black coffee, fellas. I am that hard. Oh, so, see, that's, yeah. I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> God damn it. The, yeah, second, I, the second you did that call her daddy voice, Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, I, I'm from the South and I hate sweet tea with every single ounce of my being. So I'm just, you know, I'm straight out here just drinking uh, black coffee. Ellie, she does not drink black coffee, but you know what? I will, uh, I'll give her a good word about you guys. And I'm going to tell Jared he needs to stop being so boring. Well, Jared is welcome back anytime. We can have a little grudge match. I know he wants to do this whole bravado WWE thing. Like all I got to say is bring it, Jared. I've, I've got 150 times the energy. I've just like, I've, I've just snorted like 18 different lines of melatonin right now. Getting oh, ready. This, I so. thought you were going to say snorting Adderall. I was like, oh, you're snorting I mean, like, Adderall. Okay, can you put this to bed? Can you, can you put this to bed real quick? Yes, I can. Are there, are, well, it depends on what it is. I'm uh, saying yeah, yes. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know what I'm You probably be shouldn't have said yes to that without even knowing what the question was. No, let me ask <laughs> That's you this. That's my bad. Is uh, the Adderall gumball machines, is that a real thing? 
at Barstool? Ah, uh, they were there. I've heard rumors. I've heard stories uh, at Barstool. No, but I kind of wish they, that was a thing. I mean, I haven't heard that rumor. And if they are hiding Adderall gumball machines somewhere in that office, I will be finding those tomorrow. Excellent. But no, Excellent. no, that is that is an absolute uh, false narrative. But I, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the Adderall thing. It's like people we just get crushed for that all the time. It's like, dude, everybody's. I feel like everybody's prescribed Adderall at this point. It's not like we're sitting around talking that we're doing meth in the office. Like, can we not just take a little PEDs to get through the day? <laughs> That's right. Though doing meth might also be funny, at least for one post. I think that might. Yeah, right. <laughs> if any outlet is going to be doing meth, it's probably uh, it. Well, yeah, this we're guy's not done be it for twenty-seven meth. shows. <laughs> That's right. Maybe I'll fuck off. Yeah. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah, I. You know, now this whole Jared narrative, I'm going to have to run with this because I don't. I don't know how long you guys have been listening to CCK. I know it's it's probably not been long because like who actually wants to listen to us on a daily basis? But yeah, for, we yeah. have a counter. Every single day, our producer, Zah, has a mark of when Jared and I start screaming at each other. <laughs> and the fastest it's happened on a two-hour show is 20 seconds in. And I think we've only gone through a couple of shows in total since we started on air together where we've not screamed at each other. So I'm going to have to fire him up about this and just have him scream at me about you guys. If you want to listen to the worst performance, the worst podcasting performance by a Barstool personality ever, 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 ever. Oh, damn. Trap. Look up Trash Talk on iTunes with Blind Mike and MHB. It's my second show that I do. A little plug okay. here. I got a pl- pro tip here. And uh, and, and listen to uh, listen to the episode with with uh, Carabas and 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 then and then please proceed to just rip the shit out of this guy. <laughs> Low <laughs> energy mean, Carabas. Please do it. Uh, it's just shocking to me that that happened. But like while we're shamelessly plugging, yes. everybody should go listen to the CCK podcast with me, Jared, and Kevin. And then during college football, our we're going to be traveling all over the country. I'm actually trying to get a BC game on the docket just because. I like any excuse to come back to Boston, but I also feel like we need to bring our college football presence to Boston so people will start liking it more there. I need this, fellas. I need this. That's right. And where can we follow you on Twitter? At Casey Smith, K-A-Y-C-E. My parents really messed that up for me. I don't know why they wanted to make it so complicated, but at Casey Smith. And then I'm also, I'm not a huge Instagram person, but at Barstool, they, you know, they push every social media. So it's at Casey underscore Smith because some loser has at Casey Smith and I can't kick him off of it. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an underscore person myself. It, it fucking sucks. I just made myself Second an underscore person. I, oh, I just changed things. Jesus Christ. Why did you put an up. underscore into it? Oh, because well, so so I don't know. I know that we're taking too much of your time here, but do no, I'm fine. Honestly, like I'm living the dream right now. So, so bar. Oh, <laughs> see, they see. This is this is great. This flattery. This is this is exactly what we needed today. Just sitting in bed talking to you guys. I mean, what more could I want? So I was in a shitty mood before we started, and I shook it off. <laughs> Does Barstool have parody accounts? Because I've looked. So the big thing, EEI had a shit ton of parody accounts, and now they've all kind of abandoned ship because EEI is sinkingship.com with the ratings are obviously going down. <laughs> Uh, Barstool, what's the deal? Because there's a flood of parody accounts coming for Barstool. Yeah, I, f- I feel like everybody from a, like the big guy standpoint, they all have parody accounts. Like there's even one for Jared that's like Jared Carabas out of context, which is really funny because yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, but um, I mean, there's obviously, August Rocket one too. I've seen that. Oh, they also there's there are the weirdest accounts. Like Dave had an account for a while. Apparently, no, he didn't a parody account about him that only tweeted out like the blobfish photo. Like people think he <laughs> like it's just I don't like I I really want to meet some of these people in person that are like hiding in their houses every day, like running these parody accounts because they care so much about and not just Barstool just anybody but it's so easy to make parody accounts I think with us because we are so open it's like you mentioned Kevin's blog about his family like you don't see guys sitting at desks at these huge network jobs 
wanting to out their personal lives like that. Yeah. So parody accounts are even easier to make because it's like, oh, well, I know what's bothering Kevin Clancy today. I know what's bothering Dave Portnoy today. Like, let's just go make a Twitter account and blast it out. But I mean, Barstool Sports main accounts can look like parody accounts on a daily basis. Oh, We're sure. fighting people online yeah. right now about a meme with the Kevin Durant interview. Like, did you see that last night? Like the Kevin Durant injury? Oh, about the, the, uh, the yeah, about somebody said that it looked like that he got shot in the calf or something People like are, that. Like the, you remember that last year, the World Cup, the video that went viral and now everybody uses every big moment in TV where it's like the bar going crazy in England. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like we superimpose or allegedly we superimposed the Kevin Durant interview or the injury last night. Oh, I and did see that and the whole bar goes crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And people in Canada are so big mad at us right now. Like, oh, how dare oh, you? That's it's just like, fucking Canadians. What a bunch of losers. No fun people. That entire that entire country is no it's fun. It's not a country. It's the 51st state. There you go. <laughs> but it's like Barstool Sports as a whole is a parody a lot of times. Like, get with it, people. Read a book. Like, welcome to the internet in 2019. So it's easy to make parody accounts. But I think that's what again makes Barstool's personalities and you mentioned Riggs earlier you know Riggs is somebody that people make fun of on a constant basis and then he just leans right into it and is like well yeah I, I am cross-eyed like what the fuck do you mean of course I'm cross-eyed and that's what makes people like they're he's invincible because of that because they lean into what people make fun of he's another example of these guys who you say Barstool is this and Barstool is that Riggs went to Harvard Francis went to Harvard these are educated people that probably could make more money doing other things Absolutely. and using their wit there I think Riggs is the most underrated person there. I have n there's no way that Dave could do that show every afternoon without Riggs because he'd be he would lose he would lose his concentration every five seconds. Riggs he is high energy. Control. He needs somebody to set the table. Yeah, that's 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 exactly. definitely for sure. And and Riggs does a good job of that. And that's and Riggs the so before Riggs on that show it was Kevin and I, those are the two people I would say. And then Kevin obviously wanted to do his own show. I think there are two people in that company that can host a radio show with Dave as successfully as they do, and it's Kevin and Riggs because they know how to manage. Dave in a certain way just like on the the college football show with on camera stuff it's like I know how to to kind of finagle the TV aspect of it and then wind those guys up and let them go that's what Dave needs is somebody to just kind of set the t the tone and then just let him be Dave Portnoy so Casey this will be the last one from me but I, I you're okay. you're somebody that knows both Barstool and Kirk Minahan and the whole Kirk mm -hmm. universe in your opinion who is the one person at Barstool that if not saying this would happen but if you had your say, would be Kirk's co-host. Can I say myself? Sure, by all means. I would love to be Kirk uh, and Casey. If, oh, that sounds great. Oh, yeah, I would love that. I would love. I feel, and actually, that was a Gary Tangway idea long before Barstool was even on my radar. He was like, you know, it would really just take off would be you and Kirk. Now, obviously, Kirk would just body me a couple times, and I'd have to get used <laughs> to it. But um, you know what? Outside of of me selfishly wanting to to do a show with Kirk because I think he's insanely talented. Um, I think it would, you have to have somebody that'll be combative, but not overly combative. Like, I don't think Dave and Kirk would eventually, like, I think it would be too, almost too combative. Let me think. You know, Riggs wouldn't be a bad choice. I actually yeah, would Kirk be. Kirk has had Riggs on Kirk, in the past. Kirk on likes Riggs. Yeah, yeah, Riggs is great. Um, you know what? I would, maybe this is a selfish thing too, just because I want to see how it would go. I think that Big Cat and Kirk would be a really oh, interesting Oh, and they've got beef. Good. They've got beef yeah. because in, back in 2009, I think Big Cat called him out for the Aaron Andrews thing and said he should have been fired. So they have, they, they have some, yeah. Oh, I didn't know there good. was beef there. Oh, I'll, I, I yeah. Know that. I can, I can show you the, I can send you the, uh, the screenshots of it. He's, uh, okay. yeah, he's, he, he, he went full scorched earth on Kirk back in, sorry, this is like whenever the Aaron Andrews oh, thing happened. I don't remember yeah, this. Yeah, I, yeah, this ago. is, yeah, this was our, 
our buddy uh, Blob uh, sent this over to us. So yeah, we can we can definitely look into that because I think that would be a really interesting combination. Because they're both so smart, right? I mean, and that's the thing. It's like they're and they're very different. Like one of the things that Dan is so good at is like he knows what to say and when to say it, and where Kirk like pops off because that's what he wants to say in the moment. So that kind of like yin and yang would be awesome. But Kirk also likes to fight. He likes to have that that's fight. True. It's not necessarily I don't like you. It's yeah, fight with me. I want to fight with you a little bit, and and then it's over. It's like hey, that was great. It's just right. whatever's great radio. I'd like it on the record that I will fight with Kirk whenever he wants me to fight with That's him. Good. I, I got a question. For, uh, one last question. 25% yeah. tariffs from China. Do you oh, think fuck that off. <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't believe we're having two consecutive episodes of Tariff Talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We just had Kirk's new producer, Steve Robinson, on uh, the show last night. And we spent he's like a right winger. Yeah, he's a big. Right, he used to be the producer for Howie Carr. And uh, and, and he, we had a whole little like argument about fucking tariffs and no, I got oh, tar- tariffs and taxes. Jesus. I got all worked oh, up. Listen, oh I'm going to be completely honest uh, out in the open. I don't know shit about politics and I don't pretend to, which is another great thing about Barstool is like we do not talk politics, which will be interesting. I don't know if Kirk will jump into that as much as he did when he was with Jerry obviously but uh, I don't know anything about politics and I'm not going to pretend to so I can't uh, talk tariffs I, I was, and taxes I was with told you guys. you guys are funded by Donald Trump himself actually you know what Trump <laughs> actually has an office like inside of our of headquarters has yeah, he, has he, he in, does. so so that's the person that instituted uh, grope girls Friday in the office right mm-hmm. is that that's what happened yeah yes and yeah and so when when I walk in the office every day I'm like okay today's grope day I mean they're just gonna <laughs> fill me up all day they're gonna sequester me to the kitchen and I'm gonna feel sexually harassed all day oh my it's God. crazy like you know what's so funny as I say that and if that ever got like clipped out oh my God there would be there'd be morons out there that are gonna be like oh, did you hear that she's talking about that she gets groped at the office and I can't say this enough I said it when I did did the interview with Reamer back when Dave got completely dragged through the internet for like the millionth time on that Daily Beast yeah. hit piece. I have never felt safer and more a, a part of a family than I do at Barstool. That's both, you know, and I loved NBC Sports Boss and I can never say a bad word about what uh, my experience was there. But just as a whole, like the way that we're treated there, not only are we given the freedom and the platform that we do to say whatever we want on a daily basis, like we're a family in there. And so for anybody to come after and be like, oh, they treat women like shit. It's like, no, no, they don't. And not only do they treat not treat us like shit, they love us and they want us to succeed. So it's just, it make, it's infuriating to me. So thanks for letting me uh, get that out, you know, I'm going to go punch a punching bag now or run through a wall because Great I'm so rant. jacked up about this. Great rant. I love it. That was the point. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm going to snort some Adderall and go punch some things, fellas. And Thanks then, so much and for then, that. And then snort the melatonin later on. We call that a Carabas. Yes, we call that a Carabas. So. It's the Carabas cocktail from oh, now on, I love now until it. forever. Yes, the Carabas cocktail. Half cocaine, <laughs> half melatonin. Holy shit. It's everything. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And, and then, you know what? Deadspin will no fail pick that one up too and be like, you guys, they're just out here doing cocaine and melatonin on a daily basis. Uh, so Oh, given the people the headlines well fuck them you have no idea yeah. the amount of drops that you just gave me i'm going to be spending the next 20 hours cutting up <laughs> it's gonna be hey awesome. you know what as long as you make me look good i will put in the good word to ellie you know maybe talk about you know how nice you guys are yes, and yeah. i know you have a sc- maybe a little schoolboy crush on her so i'll make sure i put in the good I'm word. Far, i can't say that i'm 43 that's creepy hey yeah he's like an old guy like 43 that's like <laughs> I bet like he went. I bet they like didn't have internet and stuff. And you he know what? Was I, that I guy can't wait who, for her to come on and just 
body you. That's I can't, I can't wait. wait. Yes, I I I agree. Yeah. It's gonna happen. You know who else he's so so uh so DEC is also a big fan of AOC. Like he he hates her <laughs> politics, but he's in love with her. He's in he's obsessed. He finds she's these people. attractive. He's she just, she did that video up in Boston when she went to BU where she's dancing around. I hate her <laughs> politics, but she's just so goddamn <laughs> oh my sexy God. when she's You're on that ridiculous. roof doing that dance. You're hey, you know what though? I I've been told my entire life that the boys who talk shit about you and are mean to you are the ones who love you the most. Oh, 100%. So there you go. I don't I don't feel like that changes in your 40s. Yeah. I have to admit that. I bet I bet you uh, I was, uh, you used AT&T. So, oh, you had that <laughs> I, I'm like so here for this rivalry now. Like I can't wait. I need this to, to happen. Office. I need this to happen. Oh, yeah. but we need a rivalry with somebody. We, you know, we don't have Rich Keefe anymore. Yeah. We don't have Dale Arnold. We need, we need somebody. Yes, we do. I so. mean, but the good news is, is that Barstool loves rivalries, especially internally and with each other. So I'm sure that on the outside, if you just want to start something up, just talk about how awful it is that we sponsored a towel for the Bruins game and you've got yourself a rivalry. Perfect. Perfect. You got a deal. We've gone way over on your time, but you you've been so fucking awesome to give us this all this time with us tonight. I mean, it's been it's been a really good interview, I think, and I think that you've got a lot of new Mina fans that are going to be uh, following you here. I think you made a push for the Kirk and Casey show. I really think that you did a you, you did a good job campaigning for that. So we'll see. Kirk and Casey 2020. That's what we're looking forward to. Call let let the football season kind of wind down, and then just like let's go full steam ahead. Nice. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Anytime yeah, you guys need you. me, I will come on, and I promise I will never be boring, and I definitely won't talk in a Valley Girl voice. Oh, you have you have kicked the shit out of Carabas's last performance. That was fun. <laughs> you you I mean, really, a cadaver could have been better than Carabas and oh, last performance. But you yeah, you and don't get ex- confused by Blind Mike. He's the guy who sounds like Yoda. Yes, yes, but okay. yeah, you were fucking awesome. Thanks again, Casey. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Anytime.